In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We observed his star at his rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For there it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I may also go and pay him homage. They heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, I've often thought, well, I don't know that I would ever want to own a gym, but I would love to own one during January. Like, if I could just, I just want that one month of gym ownership for January, and then sell it in February. Actually, I don't even need a month. I think I just need two weeks. And then sell it by the middle of January. Because, you know, it's New Year's, and there's lots of resolutions to work out. This every day this year, work out more consistently to eat better, to do right, and all those type things. You know, so we all we all got that resolution, or many of us have that resolution this year. And when it comes to lifting weights, I always think of something a friend of mine once said. He's a baseball coach down at Cole Inn. Uh, Clay said, "I would lift weights if they weren't so heavy." <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about lifting about lifting weights and working out. I would lift them if they just weren't so heavy. You know. Uh, so, you know, it's New Year's. We all, we all have those resolutions. You know, many of us make resolutions. I'm going to eat right or work out or this year I'm going to read my Bible more. This year I'm going to worship more consistently or I'm going to find that small group. You know, whatever. We all have those resolutions and that's a good thing. But the thing with it is we don't have to wait to the new year. We can start a new each day. The Bible tells us by morning by morning, new mercies I see. And, I, you know, I'm, resolutions are great if we don't find our worth in not meeting them, if that makes sense. You know, because, yeah, it's always good to, 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 to resolve to do new things. Every year I try to, you know, my goal last year was to read more, and I did a better job. And my goal this year is to read more this year than I did last year. So that's, that's what I'm doing. So, you know, we, you know, instead of the mindless scrolling each night, just put the phone down and we'll pick up my Kindle and then read, you know. So that's, that's my goal. And it's good to do that. We should all have goals. Not, not just yearly, though. Daily. The Bible is a wonderful book. Many reasons. It's God's inspired and holy word. It's how, one of the ways God chooses to reveal himself to us. But one of the things that the Bible is, is a story of covenant. The Bible is a story of covenant. God's covenant to his people, beginning with, beginning with Adam and Eve in the very garden and ending with the completion of all things, the completion of all things of the revelation. It's a story how God, how God 
always invades our space, invades his creation, and is always present with us. And how God's not a God who's absent, but God's a God who's active and in the midst of our life and, and is always in, 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 in here with us. And Scripture tells us these things. But one of the things that we see with Scripture is we see renewals of covenant. Think about Joshua at the end of Joshua. You know, the famous, the famous scene where Joshua says, uh, choose you who you will serve, whether the gods, the Amorites, or your neighbors, whether you're the gods beyond back in Egypt. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That scene is actually part of the covenant renewal that Joshua makes with the people. They renew the covenant. If you, if you go back and look previous to that, though, look, look in Exodus. And then, I don't know if you noticed, the law begins in Exodus chapter 20, give or take, around the Ten Commandments. Then you go all the way through Leviticus, the law. Then you have Numbers, which is more of a narrative story. And then you go to Deuteronomy. You know what you find in Deuteronomy? A lot of the same law you saw in Exodus and Leviticus. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Because if you remember the story of, Exodus, the, story of the Exodus, the, the Israelites who left Egypt, they sinned. And they were punished, and none of the first generation makes it to Egypt. The people who, I'm sorry, makes it to the promised land. The people who make it to the promised land are the children of the first generation. So, Exodus and Leviticus are the covenant with the first generation. What do we see in Deuteronomy? The second giving. The second covenant. God is a God who makes covenant with his people, who is in relationship with his people. And honestly, y'all, that's what our resolution, a New Year's resolution is. It's a covenant. That was a big deal to John Wesley. Natalie in the pastoral prayer quoted John Wesley's covenant renewal service. John Wesley was a big believer in what was called a watch night service. I don't know if y'all ever been to a watch night service. It's a, it's a service on New Year's Eve or sometimes on New Year's Day where we renew our covenant with God. It's a beautiful thing. So it's important for us to have covenant and goals and things like that. But remember, our worth is never found Hear this, our worth is never found in a perfect keeping of a covenant or in the perfect keeping of a resolution. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ. That's where we get ourselves messed up, is we feel like failures whenever we don't keep it perfectly. Our worth is never found in our perfect obedience. Our worth is found in Jesus Christ and his perfect obedience. So resolutions are good as long as we keep that in mind. So for church this year, you know, we're going we're gonna to have some chances to renew our covenants. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to have a neat service. Next Sunday is confirmation. Where we're going to confirm our confirmation class, those, those young people as members of our church. And so, actually, next Sunday, we're going to have one combined 11 o'clock service. We'll have our regular 8.30 traditional service. And then at 11, though, we're going to have one combined service in here for confirmation. But at the end of that service, we're going to receive our new confirmants as members. But we're going to end with the renewal of our baptism for all of us. So every one of us next Sunday are going to get to pray for these new members, but we're also going to have the chance to renew the covenant that we made with Jesus upon our baptism. That's a beautiful thing. So one of the covenants or one of the resolutions that I have for our church this next year, particularly the first next few months, is to us really dig into Scripture. And spend some time understanding what Scripture is. We've talked about how, the, how we're going to be praying, reading Scripture and praying over the new space to ourselves. But in our sermons, we're going to be spending some time unpacking exactly what Scripture is. 
going until the season of Lent, we're going to be doing a series called Long Story Short, where over the next few weeks, we're going to, we're going to unpack exactly what Scripture is. So when we get to Ash Wednesday, my goal is maybe not for you to know every last verse of Scripture or know everything about the book of Zechariah, but for you to have an understanding of what the Bible is really about and how it's laid out and how it's structured and what it speaks to us. And so that's in the Bible, honestly, is a story of God's covenants with us. So we're going to look over the next few weeks in worship at these covenants. And I would invite you to come with us in worship on Sundays, but also to find a Sunday school class where you can dig into Scripture as well. So we're going to be doing that up until Lent. But then when we get to Ash Wednesday, we're going to be teaching a class on Wednesday nights and talking about this on Sundays about the Old Testament. Uh, one of my favorite books, I, I, some of you may be familiar with a great writer by the name of Philip Yancey, uh, wrote some wonderful books, The Jesus I Never Knew. It's a powerful book. Uh, the, uh, the, what's so amazing about grace is a phenomenal book. He just wrote his uh, autobiography called Where the Light Falls, a powerful book. But he wrote a great book called The Bible Jesus Read. And The Bible Jesus Read basically is a pretty, in, pretty good view of the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament mean? So going up until Lent, we're going to look big picture at all the Bible. When we get to Lent, we're going to look a little bit deeper at the Old Testament and specifically to understand how the Old Testament shaped Jesus, how the Old Testament really impacted Jesus, impacted the gospel, impacted the church. So let's let's use our wise man friend for an example. So if we were to keep reading Matthew's gospel, we would see that when the wise men returned back home, Herod gets angry, and Herod basically has every child under two years old murdered in, in, in the Bethlehem area. By the way, that's how we know the wise men arrived later because he kind of used that two-year-old number as to kind of guess how old Jesus is. So at that point, Mary and Joseph and Jesus escaped to Egypt. And they stay in Egypt until Herod died. And then after Herod dies, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus return from Egypt back to the promised land where he grows and becomes and, and, and fulfills his mission. So, Jesus, to escape danger with his family, flees to Egypt. And then at the appointed time, returns from Egypt to the promised land. Anyone else in scripture do that? The Israelites. So, from an Old Testament perspective, when you read the story of Jesus fleeing to Egypt and then returning Israel, the first century Christians would say, oh, just like Joseph escaped the famine in Egypt and found safety in Egypt and then returned to the promised land at the appointed time, Jesus is the same thing. So just as, so we see in the Old Testament that what they experienced was a, almost a prophecy or foreshadowing of what Jesus would one day do. When you understand the Old Testament, it makes the New Testament completely come to life. So during Lent, we're going to talk about that. Our goal is even to, knock on wood, if we can pull it off, do what we've done. Some of you may remember in years past, we had a Passover Seder during Holy Week. We're going to try to do that again this year. So not promising. It's on the calendar, but it's on the calendar in pencil, not in ink yet. 
So our goal is to do that. So I'm kind of excited about these next few months, getting a really good and beautiful understanding of Scripture in totality, but then digging into the Old Testament during Lent. Because, y'all, we've got to know the Bible. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is where Paul's writing. And Paul says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And I love that phrase, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. The way I interpret that, or the way I kind of read it, let the word of Christ marinate you. You know when you're cooking, you're going to smoke something, or you got your, your brisket or your meal ready, and the night before, you put your marinade on there, and you let it sit all night. And all over the course of the night, that marinade seeps into every little crack and crevice of that meat. And then when you cook it the next day, you can taste the flavors. You want your meat, you want your food to be marinated with the sauce. That's what God's word should be for us. It should marinate us. It should fill every crack and crevice. And we should just dwell down deep into God's word. Because here's the thing, y'all. When the word of God marinates us and, and drenches us, then we understand scripture in the right way. Because I think today's story, the text, is a perfect example of the wrong way to know scripture. Because the wise men show up until Herod say, hey, where's this one born king of the Jews? And Herod's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So he calls his religious leaders. And they say, oh yeah, he'll be born in Bethlehem. The religious leaders and the chief, the chief scribes, they, they knew the word, didn't they? They had knowledge. They knew the facts and the figures and the verses and the dates and all that. They knew, they had a, an intellectual knowledge of scripture, didn't they? They knew. They knew right off the bat, yeah, Bethlehem, right there, line of verse. They can tell you where it was. They knew it. They knew the Bible. But the word of God had not marinated them. How do we know that? Even though they knew Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem, what happened? They missed it. It wasn't the religious leaders who knew the word who saw Jesus' birth. It was the wise men, the Gentiles from the east, who were paying attention, who knew Jesus was born. My goal for us this year is to be, for us to be more like the wise men than the religious leaders. Because the religious leaders, they knew the Bible. They could quote it to you, chapter and verse. But it had not marinated in their souls. It had not marinated in their bodies. They had not been drenched with it. The Bible is not ultimately to be read for knowledge. The Bible is to be read for transformation. Say that again. The Bible is ultimately not to be read for knowledge. The Bible is to be read for transformation. Because if you can quote the whole thing, but you hadn't been transformed, if we do that, then we're no better than the devil who quoted the Bible to Jesus but got it wrong. Yes, we want to grow in knowledge of Scripture. We want to grow in depth of the Word. We want to be able to quote chapter and verse. That's a beautiful thing. We should be memorizing Scripture. I think memorizing Scripture is a great thing to do. I would encourage you to memorize Scripture because you've got to have some Word in your heart. There's a certain lot of passages that I just have committed to my heart that I've had to use over and over again as a pastor but as a person. But I don't want us just to be able to quote Scripture. I want Scripture to transform us. John Wesley understood Scripture to be what he called a means of grace. Means of grace were things that we can do. And in the doing of these things, 
We are transformed because we encounter God. When you read the Bible, you will meet Christ there. When you read the Bible, you will meet Christ there. And the same Holy Spirit that inspired the reading of sacred scripture will be the same Holy Spirit that will speak to us when we read it. I want us to know the Bible. But more, even more importantly, I want the Bible to transform our hearts and make us holy. Help us to love God and love our neighbor more and more and more each day. That's my goal for us as a church this year. For the word of God to richly dwell within us. And for us to dig in deep and be changed and marinated by God's word. But first, y'all, that means we've got to pay attention. Because the religious leaders knew it. But they weren't paying attention. So maybe that should be our New Year's resolution this year. Is to pay attention. Don't get too distracted by the stuff you see on your phone when you're scrolling. Don't get too distracted by what you see on the news. Don't be distracted by the fact. You know what, y'all? God gives us permission not to be angry at everything. The, you know, Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth. If you look at the word meek, the word meek actually in some ways means this. The meek are not, we think of meek as weak. But meek is strength, actually. To be meek is not to be passive or unemotional, but to be meek is to be angry about the right things. To be angry at the things that really matter. The thing that the world, the world always tells us and Facebook always tells us we've got to be angry about, ask yourself, is this going to matter in two years? Probably not. Let's pay attention to what really matters. And let's not be too distracted by everything the world shines in front of us says we got to pay attention to. Because to be, be honest with you, most of that stuff doesn't matter. Because you know what the Bible says? The word of God will not pass away. The things of this world, it will pass away. But the word of God will not pass away. So let's pay attention, y'all. And I promise you this, y'all, if we do that, if we pay attention to what really matters this year and let the word of God dwell within us, y'all, 2022 will be the greatest year spiritually that we've ever felt, the greatest year we've ever experienced, greatest year that's ever changed us. So as your pastor, that's kind of my resolution for us this year. It's for us to try to live into that, to take scripture seriously, to read it, to pray it, to let it change us. And then it makes us holy. We love God more, and we love our neighbor more. And y'all, if we do that, imagine the change that our church can make in this part of the world. Imagine the lives that can be healed all around us. Imagine the families that can be restored. Imagine the children who can be loved. Imagine the hungry who can be fed. Imagine the forgiveness that can happen if we live into this, y'all. What a great goal for our church this year. And by God's grace, may we live into it. Let's pray.